lot of good things are happening. Amen. We're excited um, as we go forward and see what God's going to do. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Hera. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. Behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed, or to thy offspring, thy children. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and Thou shalt spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That promise we're seeing still true thousands of years later. And behold, I'm with thee and will keep thee in all places whether thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. I'd like to speak this morning of a few moments on this subject, dare to dream, dare to dream. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we're thankful to be in your house today, thankful for all of these graduates, thankful for all of your people that have gathered for one purpose and one cause, and that's to lift up the name of Jesus. I pray, God, now that as we look to your word to extract the principles from your word that will govern and lead our life, we ask you, God, that you would help us to be able to go forward with renewed hope and a determination that whatsoever is done for Christ is going to bring much reward, much fruit. We ask you, God, that you would bless us as we endeavor to serve you and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Struggles are not uncommon to everyone. Certainly they're not uncommon to each of us. They're not uncommon even to those that we mark as geniuses. Beethoven, the great musical genius, struggled growing up in a home with an abusive alcoholic father. His mother died while he was young and then he started losing his hearing until he was totally deaf. He went into deep depression and did not want to live, but on the verge of utter despair, he would create a symphony that would transcend classical music, one after another. He managed to keep composing while being totally deaf by feeling the vibrations of the piano on the floor. He would cry whenever he would perform his amazing songs and compositions, but he could not hear the applause of the audience. He kept working in music until his life was taken by a disease in his 60s. Similarly, Thomas Edison, who we know as the great genius and the great inventor, lost his hearing as a young man. He worked on inventing the phonograph, the original record player, by biting into the wooden box and feeling the vibrations of the needle on the record. He invented the light bulb after failing thousands of times, and later in his life, He was interviewed after he had accomplished much, and he was interviewed about all of his different inventions, and he said, and I quote, during all those years of experimentation and research, 
I never once made a discovery. I start where the last man left off. All my work was deductive, and the results I achieved were those of invention, pure and simple. I would construct a theory and work on its lines until I found it was untenable or simply undefensible. I speak without exaggeration when I say that I have constructed 3,000 different theories in connection with the electric light, each one of them reasonable and apparently likely to be true. Yet only in two cases did my experiments prove the truth of my theory. I'm glad he kept on trying because he changed the world with the electric light. Even after all of those failures, yet before he died, he'd accumulated 2,332 patents from around the world for his inventions. Vincent Van Gogh is considered one of the greatest artists of all time, yet the poor guy only sold one painting the entire time he was alive. Yet it didn't stop him from painting. He painted over 900 works. And if you've got one of those works today in your home, we need to talk after service. Because they are priceless. Franklin D. Roosevelt became partially paralyzed at 39 years old. After vacation in Canada, Roosevelt developed polio, which eventually left him paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of his life. He'd never allow the American public to see him in a wheelchair. He would get his strength up to be seen by the television cameras as the United States president. But then he would go back and fall and collapse behind the lines of the video cameras and all of the different television networks. Even though he couldn't walk, he went on to lead the country to victory in World War II, taking on Nazi Germany and Japan's Imperial Army and the Axis powers. And he did it all from a wheelchair, even cars that they had to specially invent. I've seen them at the museum in Warm Springs, Georgia, where he used to go, where there were warm springs of water was told that it would help and he was there and they have video of him splashing in those waters with kids with polio. Special cars that they designed for and where the accelerator and the pedals were all up on the steering wheel. He found a way to get by and he did it because he simply would not give up. He had a dream and he dared to dream. The list goes on and on but suffice it to say that genius and struggle are not mutually exclusive. What is similar to every one of the amazing stories is that they all had a dream. They all had a belief. They had a desire. They had a passion. And they simply refused to give up. Jacob that we read about in our text did not start out in life in any kind of a glamorous fashion. He was named Jacob the deceiver. He was the heel grabber of his brother Esau. Who always seemed to be one step ahead of him. Jacob was always in the shadow of his older twin brother. But Jacob had something that Esau lacked. He loved the things of God. He wanted the birthright, the blessing of God. More than he wanted the popularity of his friends, he wanted the favor of God. And God took note of that in Jacob's very young age. After Jacob, following his mother's instruction, tricked his blind father into thinking he was Esau and receiving the blessing of his father, Esau threatened to kill him and Jacob had to run for his life. No doubt Jacob had a lot of conversations with himself as he started that long journey to visit his uncle Laban. 
Jacob, you always mess everything up. Jacob, what are you going to do? Jacob, how did you get into this mess? How did you get in a position where your own twin brother is wanting to take your life? He finally stops to sleep, tries to find a soft rock that he can use as a pillow for his head. I don't know about you, but I don't know how you can use a rock as a pillow. But maybe he tries to find some shelter where he will not be eaten by wild animals. And finally, he falls asleep. And when he does, he has a dream. He sees a ladder in the dream. And he sees angels going up and coming down the ladder. And the Lord speaks to him. And and the Lord gives him this amazing promise. I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it unto thy seed. Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in thee and in all of thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I'm with thee and will keep thee in all places where thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Ladies and gentlemen, he would need to hang on to this dream because his struggles were just beginning. Because when he awakes, the Bible says that Jacob records these words. Surely the Lord is here and I knew it not. He was here in this place. I think that this is more than just a statement of the spot that he lay. Though he did make a memorial and he took that rock that he had used as a pillow and he poured oil upon it. He named it Bethel and he said this is a place of remembrance. No doubt he wanted to remember this specific place. But I think... It was more than just this place and this moment. I believe it was him recognizing that God had been at work in his life all along. And yet, he knew it not. Even when he felt like he had gone too far and messed up, he didn't feel like there was ever a way that he could make it back. He had to get this revelation that God was in this place and I knew it not. He then reveals what his dream is. He says this back to God. If you'll be my God, keep me and provide for me. And then this is where he reveals what his dream is. And bring me again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. That's his desire. That's his passion. That's his dream as just a young man. Is that one day he'll be reunited with his twin brother. And one day he'll be back at his father's house. And there'll be harmony and there'll be peace. And from that night on, he had a dream that one day he would return in peace. He knew that God would be the only one that could make that dream become true. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we think that we've made so many mistakes that we can never return to our Father's house in peace. But you got to believe and you got to have a dream that with God, all things are possible. Oh, hallelujah. All things are possible. I want to remind you this morning that God can restore all things. You may think you've made too big of a mess out of it, but God is the one that can put families back together, homes back together. He can reunite couples. He can reunite kids with parents. He can reunite uncles and aunts and grandparents and friends and long lost relationships because God is a God that restores all things. And if you've got a dream that one day... One day I'm going to get back to that place where I was. So many times people start out serving the Lord. They learn of God in Sunday school class. 
but then something happens along the way and as teenagers they move into another area and they put priorities on other things and then somewhere they find themselves like the prodigal son saying, how do I get back to my father's house? How do I get back to a place of peace and safety and comfort? I've come to tell you that if that is your dream, then it is God who will make a way. It is God, hallelujah, that will find a way to get you back to a place of safety and comfort and peace. Well, Jacob goes on to find Laban, his uncle, falls in love with Rachel. And her father, Laban, says, you can take her for wife if you work for me for seven years. And there's a smart father. I'm thinking about putting that into place for my daughter as well. If you work for me for seven years, then we'll talk. Well, okay, maybe Jacob's thinking, I wouldn't plan on that long of a commitment, but for the love of my life, I'll do it. So he works for seven years. And it seems like the Bible says it seemed like just a few short days. I mean, he'd come out of that field that Brother Richie's talking about, working out there in that farm. He'd come out of that field, sweaty and tired and his back hurting. Then he'd see Rachel go by. And he'd say, oh, only four more years, 27 more days, 14 more hours, 22 minutes. I don't know what kind of an ancient calendar he kept. But for seven years, he worked hard, long and hard, but... Jacob had met his match with his uncle Laban. As tricky as Jacob was, he was learning from the master. Laban tricked him because after seven years, they get ready to do this wedding. And then whenever he gets through with this ceremony and returns back to his home with his new bride, he realizes that it's not Rachel at all. It's her older sister, Leah. Jacob was never interested in her. He never even thought about her. The Bible said that she was tender-eyed. I'm not sure what that means. She was tender-eyed. I thought easy on the eyes was a positive statement. But the Bible said she was tender-eyed. And he goes to see Laban and says, Hey, what's up? We had a deal. Seven years and Rachel and I'm ending up now with Leah and He says, well, Leah was the older sister and she has to wed first. Jacob's like, all right, you guys got some funny rules around here, but okay, what do I got to do to get Rachel? You got to work another seven years. And Jacob loves Rachel and continues to work for his father-in-law, not only another seven years, but then another six years after that. And Laban is always messing with Jacob. He's always, the Bible said he changed his wages ten times. He's always got some tricks. He's always figuring out a way. Jacob's working hard for him for 20 years. But finally, he's got two wives and a bunch of kids. And he says, man, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to go ahead and take off. I'm ready to go ahead and set my own journey and make my own life. And he's still got that dream. One day, he'll return back to his father's house in peace. So he talks to his uncle Laban. They try to decide what his severance pay is going to be. And Jacob said, don't worry. I don't need anything. No severance pay. Let's just make a deal. All the cattle, all, the, all that we have, the livestock, everything that we have, the lambs, the rams, the goats, everything that's in good shape you can keep. And all the ones that are spotted and got rings on them and all that, I'll take those. And that'll be my severance pay. And I'll take that and go. And Laban says, okay, that'll work. So Jacob comes up with a plan. He's going to try to outsmart his uncle on, and, and, his, and his father-in-law now as he's on his way out of town. 
So he comes up with this plan where he thinks he can get more spotted cattle. He takes bark from certain trees that are in the air and he puts it in the water as the spotted ones would come up there and they would drink the water and, and they would reproduce and they would produce more spotted cattle and more. And he didn't realize what was going on because Laban was back at the house. But Jacob was out there and the ringed and the spotted ones were multiplying like mad. Jacob thought he was doing it. God was the one that was doing it. How many times do we think we're the ones? Boy, we've outsmarted. It's our own ingenuity. We're figuring this out. We got an education. We are smart. I'm going to tell you what. It don't matter what kind of education or how many degrees you get. You're going to need the grace and love of God. Every day that you breathe is a gift from God. And so Jacob doesn't realize that God is looking after him. And He even says he's blessed Laban because of his promise to Jacob. And Laban knew that. Laban didn't hardly have anything when he met Jacob 20 years ago. But because God's hand was upon Jacob, everything that Laban had was blessed. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. It really does pay to hang around folks that have the favor of God on them. It really does because it will splash over on you. To all of these children and young people, you want to get good friends. You want to get godly friends. You don't want to get a bunch of old friends that got their pants hanging down around their knees and walking around with bad attitudes. You don't need all that garbage. You need to find somebody that'll get in the altar and pray. You need to find somebody that says, hey, we're going to live according to biblical principles because if God's hand is upon you, it'll be upon me also. Hallelujah. Finally, there's so many spotted cattle that Jacob takes off with the family and all the cattle that are spotted without saying goodbye. Boy, I mean, the flocks have multiplied. He's out there. It's a little ways before. It takes, you know, back then they don't have cars. They don't have transit. It's like three days journey to get back to the house. So he goes to his wives and says, hey, you know, we've done this 20 years. Let's go. They say, hey, let's go. They do this and they take off. Well, when they do this, they do it as a result of panic and they make bad decisions. He leaves, and then after three days, Laban's heart is broken when he hears about this. He puts together a posse, and they go after him. They catch him in seven days. They come over. But the night before he can get to Jacob, Laban has a dream. And in the dream, the Lord says, don't touch him. One will tell you what, folks. God is working on your behalf in ways you don't understand. He's protecting you and keeping you. I bet if we had testimony service right here today, there'd be so many of you that'd say, hey, I didn't even realize it, but years ago, God kept his hand on me, and if it wasn't for the grace and the love and the mercy of God, I wouldn't even be here today. How many of you can raise your hand and say, you recognize that God's been looking after you? The devil tried to come against you like he did Peter, but the Lord told him, I prayed for you. Satan wanted to destroy you. Satan wanted to steal your kids. Satan wanted to destroy your marriage. But God is working on your behalf. So Laban and Jacob, they meet and they come up with a truce. And Jacob continues on with his dream of returning home to his family in peace. But then word gets out that Esau, His brother, whom he hadn't seen in 20 years. When he left, he was running from Esau. Because Esau said, I'll kill him. And he knew he could do it. And he ran. And now he's getting ready to meet him. And he hears that Esau has heard that Jacob is returning. 
And he is coming. He's not waiting for him to get to the camp. He's on his way to meet him, and he's got 400 men coming with him. And Jacob's like, oh, boy. I mean, between crooked uncles and father-in-laws and mad brothers, it doesn't seem like Jacob can catch a break. So he splits up his party, all the servants and all the people that they had in their caravan and the cattle. He splits them all up into two groups in case one is attacked. The other one can survive. He puts together a bunch of animals to give his brother as a peace offering. And he says, you go here and you go over there. And he sends them over the Jordan River. He has a prayer meeting that night. And he says to God, you remember that dream? You remember that covenant? Well, here we are. I'm getting ready to go back and to return in peace. And God, I need you to help me. And that night God appeared to him as an angel, a theophany, and wrestles with him. And I believe that this is symbolic of how we wrestle with our will and God's will. He was trying to do it his way and yet still hang on to the promise. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes if God's given you a promise, you've got to let go of the steering wheel like those new automatic cars that they're trying to invent and put out here on the market and they're having a hard time because we've been so used to hanging on to the steering wheel and hitting the brake when the guy in the left lane goes too slow that it's hard for us now to picture a car that can do it all for us. They've already got the technology. The problem that they have is getting us as drivers used to it. We're so used to taking control. It's the same way spiritually. We've been hanging on to that steering wheel. And God is saying, you got to just let go and trust me. you got to know that I can turn the wheel. I can hit the brake. I can help you to avoid the pitfalls of life. But you got to trust me. That's a wrestling match. That's a struggle. And it goes on in every one of our lives. And finally, God smites Jacob in the sinew or in the ligaments of his leg. So that Jacob loses strength and he can't fight anymore. And he changes his name to Israel, meaning a prince, a prince. Your old identity was a deceiver because you tried to do it on your own. But I'm changing your name to Israel now. And you're going to have power just based on your identity because I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You're a prince. You've just got a royal connection. Woo! Hallelujah! Ladies and gentlemen, if God's been good to you, don't be shy about it. You ought to find a way to give praise to God every day. People say, I don't know how you do it. You ought not to say, well, I'm smarter than the average folk. No, you ought to say, God's been so good to me. I wouldn't be here if God had blessed me. I wouldn't be alive. I wouldn't be in the house of God. I wouldn't be in my right mind. Even in my crazy young years, God kept his hand on me. And I'm a prince with him. He hath put his blessing and favor on me. So he limps for the rest of his life because you have to decrease your own flesh if you want to increase God's plan and destiny for your life. He meets his brother. They embrace. They make up. Because Esau wasn't coming to kill him. Esau was coming with a big welcome committee. Returns to the home and that dream of being in peace with his family is renewed because he dared to dream. And the dream does not die. If you dare to dream, the dream won't die. But I've come to also tell you a couple of other things. Neither will trouble die. Trouble will keep after you. And trouble continues to follow Jacob. When his daughter, Dinah, the sister to all of these brothers, is treated wrong, some of the brothers, some of Jacob's sons from Leah, they react too strongly. And they trick a whole city and they end up killing a whole group of men. Jacob says, we're in trouble. What's the matter with you guys? 
Everybody around here now is going to join together and going to wipe us out. And the Lord says to Jacob, go back to Bethel, Jacob. Go back to Bethel. Go back to where you had the dream. Go back to the place. Renew your focus. Renew your purpose. Renew your dream. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we do every time we come together to an altar. You say, well, I've been in church for so many years. Every time you come and you stand in the presence of God, you're saying, God, I want to renew the vision. I want to renew the dream. I want to renew my purpose. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. I am here to serve our most holy God. I am here not for my own purposes but to glorify God in all that I do. You've got to renew your determination, your dream, your hope. And then as he journeys from there, God promises once again to take care of Jacob. And again he says, he'll call him Israel. Then Rachel, his beloved Rachel, on the way home gives birth to Benjamin. And on the way home from Bethel giving birth to Benjamin, she dies as the son is delivered. Now Jacob's love is gone. Rachel is dead. He bestows all of that love that he has for Rachel on her two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. Anything, ladies and gentlemen, or anyone that is the recipient of your love more than your love for God, that thing will be tested. Life continues. His son Joseph is a dreamer. He loves his son Joseph. This love is obvious. Jacob does not try to hide his love for Joseph. And he loves Joseph. Giving him coats of many colors, which is an expensive coat. Joseph is going around bragging about his dreams. All of this adds up to the older half-brothers from Leah getting jealous and mad by the moment. And they put together a plan to kill him. And they changed their mind at the last moment. But after selling him into slavery to a bunch of gypsies that are headed to Egypt, they have to hatch a plan to explain to their father what happened to Joseph. Why did Joseph disappear? Ladies and gentlemen, sin is never something that takes place by itself. There's always the after effect. There's always the cover up. There's always the way that it affects many other people. Jacob is heart stricken. It seems like his entire life has just been wrought with trouble. I thought my dream was to have peace in my home and my family. And I get a taste of it and then it disappears. He's lost Rachel and now he's lost Joseph. And he mourns the loss of Joseph for years and he makes a determination that that very last son Benjamin that came from Rachel if nothing else I'm going to hang on to him ladies and gentlemen he once again puts his trust in the wrong thing you got to hang on to God because it's God that will make the dream come true it's not a relationship it's not anything else except that belief that my God is going to see me through hallelujah And ladies and gentlemen, God never forgot the dream that one day the family would return in peace. Yes, famine hits the land. They got to go to Egypt to get food. All through this journey, the Bible keeps referring to Jacob as Jacob. Although his name had been changed to Israel, he's still living as Jacob, still trying to survive. Not living as a prince under the identity of of a God that had told him, you're Israel, not Jacob. The older brothers go to Egypt. They have no idea that the governor of Egypt that they are standing before is their half-brother that they sold into slavery. They have no idea about that. 
Joseph, through a series of tests, gets the brothers to return home and ask to send Benjamin with them when they go back to Egypt. They go back and tell their dad, we can't get any more grain. We can't get any more corn. We're not going to survive. The governor has said, we got to bring Benjamin. He wants to know if there's any more brothers. And Jacob says, not Benjamin. Haven't I been through enough? Well, do you ever reach that place in your life where you feel like it's one thing after another, after another? There's got to be a limit to it someplace. I'm going to tell you where the limit is. The limit is when you back up and say, God, it all belongs to you. You gave it all to me. Naked came it out of this world. And naked shall I return. If you take my house, if you take my car, if you take my marriage, if you take my kids, I've still got to serve you. Every person's got to make that determination. Sometimes the dream seems to be a nightmare. And oh, no, I can't. What if something happens to Benjamin? He has to let him go. It's the only way they can survive. He has no idea. His beloved Joseph is on the other end testing his brothers. Will these guys take care of Benjamin? Will they throw him under the bus like they did me? It may seem bleak at this point. I can't imagine the sleepless nights that Jacob had as all of his sons were gone with Benjamin. But the family living in peace is still on the horizon. And you got to just keep trusting. You got to just keep daring to dream. Finally, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and he asks to bring his father to Egypt. And the brothers return to tell Jacob. Can you imagine what that was like? Dad, Joseph is alive. I mean, he had been watching every day. He saw him coming. He saw Benjamin was still alive. But now, Joseph! Yes, and he wants you to come to Egypt, Dad. God has blessed him. He's the governor of Egypt. He's in charge of all the greenhouses. My God! My God! Can you imagine as Jacob hollers out? In this incredible reunion as they meet in the streets of Egypt... The dreamers, the dad and the son. Jacob was a dreamer. Joseph not only had that, he also had the gift of interpreting the dreams. Let me tell you something. God will bless your children greater than you. If you'll be faithful, he'll not only give you what you've got, but he'll give your children greater gifts, greater talents, and a greater blessing. That principle is woven throughout all the scriptures. If for no other reason you want to serve God for your children's sake, the greatest thing you can do for your kids is not buy them a car at 14 years old. It's not buy them an iPad at 8 years old. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to teach them the principles and the precepts of the word of God. Stand to your feet. Finally. Finally. Family lives in peace. In Egypt. And all through this journey. Jacob. Is still referred to as Jacob. But when Jacob passes away. At old age. The Bible gives us this little nugget, this little scripture. 
in Genesis chapter 50. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians of Egypt, the very best in the world at that time. He gives them a command to embalm his father. And the Bible says, and the physicians embalmed Israel. Doesn't say Jacob. And the physicians embalmed Israel. His identity was complete. His dream was complete. And then they take Jacob out of Egypt and bury him in Canaan over in Jordan. And now the brothers, once again still living with their own fears, they now think that Joseph will kill them, that their father is dead. Joseph only kept us alive for our dad's sake. But now that dad is dead, he's going to kill us all. All he's got to do is just give the order. So they send word to Joseph. Joseph, you know, uh, dad, before he died, he, he told us that he wanted us to send you a message. And he wants all of us to live and for you to do no harm to us. Dad told us all of that before, before he died. It's in the Bible, read it. And when Joseph hears this, he just cries and weeps. Because he'd already forgiven them years ago. And in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19, Joseph says unto them, fear not. And here it is. You got to put this verse up. Because here's the bow on the whole package. Genesis 50, 19. And Joseph said unto him, fear not. For I am in the place of God. You meant it for evil. That's what the next verse goes on to say. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. You didn't understand how the dream was all going to play out. But years ago, my dad fell asleep on a rock in Bethel. And when he woke up, he said, God was in this place and I knew it not. And all of your life, God has been in this place. And you knew it not. Here's what I learned when I came to Egypt by myself, falsely accused in prison. My life in danger. Here's what I learned. I am in the place of God. And when you are in the place of God, you've got to recognize that it is a place that is ordained and orchestrated by the divine providence and will of God. I am in the place of God. This is the place. This is the dream of our Father. It is fulfilled, not just in His generation, but even in His Son's generation. And even in their Son's generation. You may not understand the journey, ladies and gentlemen. You may not understand why the things you thought you would do have not happened yet. You never thought you'd be at the place that you're in right now. Can I say this to you today? Pulling from the principles of these scriptures. This is the place of God. This is the place of God. The place of God is not absent of troubles trials and stress and strife place of God is what God told you years ago 
when you didn't have anywhere else to turn, there was a God that came down and said, my hand is on your life. And through all the twists and all the turns and all the obstacles, you can just keep dreaming. You can just keep believing. I want to tell you about a God that will continue to renew your hope. And maybe you won't even see it in your lifetime. Maybe it'll be the next generation. But I'm telling you about a God who is faithful. That will see you out throughout your life and into your children's life. Would every head be bowed right now and every eye closed? I want us to pray. I feel the Lord speaking to all of us. I'm so thankful for 13 people last Sunday that were baptized in Jesus' name. Eight that received the Holy Ghost in our Sunday morning service. But I feel God doing something really special for all of us as a congregation right now. I want to pray for this great church. Lord, I thank you for every man and woman, every boy and girl. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a dream inside our hearts, every one of us. A dream, Lord, to serve you. A dream to give you our very best. And though the enemy would like to try to come and pull us apart and extract those dreams from our life and put us in a place of torment, heartache. God, ultimately, you'll have the final say. All you want us to do is to return back to that place where you first spoke into our hearts and worship you. You want us to just go back to Bethel today and to simply say, this is the place of God. This is where it all started. This where where it will end. I pray, God, that you would give that to every one of us this morning as we stand in your presence. As we stand before you today, I ask you, God, that you would renew that faith in each and every one of us. Let the power of your Spirit work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we ask. Everybody said amen. amen. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I know we're running a little late, but I feel like when the Lord is moving, we need to take advantage of it. I want to give you an opportunity of where you are right now to just step out from where you're standing and come down here and stand in the front. And then everyone that comes, I want you to come with this determination and with this thought in your mind. Lord, I'm coming to a place that you have ordained. I'm returning to this place in you where once again I can dream and believe. I don't know what things, what disappointments have come your way. I don't know what struggles and trials. All of us that are here are carrying a cross, and we've all got a lot of things in life that we didn't expect. But we do have one common denominator, and that is a God that will never leave us nor forsake us. And I wonder right now, as you step out from where you're standing, people are coming from all over the building. Why don't you come with them? And as we come down to the front and we gather around here, or maybe you just want to step out in the aisle. There's still some room over here on the edges. But if you want to just come down, I, I think there's strength when we join together, brother and sister, and say, God, once again, I'm not going to give up on what you put in my spirit and my heart years ago. Come on, God's put something in your heart. He's put something in your mind. He's put something in your spirit. Come on, this is the place of God. Get back to that place where you know the Lord called you to begin with. Come on, some of you young people, there's a call of God on your life. Dare to dream. Don't measure your life's final conclusion based upon your past mistakes. Measure it based upon a God that is faithful to the end. Come on, lift your hands and your voices right now all across this building.
Lord, you're the author and the finisher of my faith. You're not going to leave me halfway, Lord. I don't understand why things have worked out this way. I never thought it would be. But once again, God, I renew my faith in you. Once again, I decide I'm going to dream and believe that you'll return me to my father's house. Come on, God wants to bring you back to that place of spiritual commitment. Come on, the Heavenly Father stands with outstretched arms. I'm not going to give up on my people. I'm not going to give up. I still believe in you, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, God's given us a new identity. You've been bought with a price. You got royal blood flowing through your veins. You're not your own. You've been buried in the name of Jesus. You're a prince in God's eyes. Hallelujah. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, yea, they have become the sons of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.